Although I'm a doctor by profession, I'm not your doctor. All content and information on this podcast and in our website is for informational and educational purposes and does not constitute medical advice and does not establish any kind of patient-client relationship by use of our site. Although we strive to present accurate information, the podcast and website are not a substitute for your healthcare provider. Always consult a healthcare professional who knows your particular needs and circumstances before making any health-related decision. Also, there are curse words that are unedited and graphic descriptions of bodies, bodily fluids, and other real-life scenarios that might make some listeners uncomfortable. Hi, I'm Dr. Suzanne Ciotti. And I'm Becca Hammer. Welcome to the Perimeta Podcast. Topic of the day, Hormones 101, the standard prescriptions. Today, Suzanne, instead of talking about a symptom of perimenopause, we're going to do a series to discuss treatment options. Because there's a lot of options out there, we decided to break them down into standard prescription option, compounded option, and then herbal and alternative therapies. Yeah, that's right. You heard it, the acupuncture episode. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite. I love acupuncture. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Today, we are focusing on hormonal treatments that are available at most pharmacies and will likely be prescribed by a typical MD in the United States if you're desiring a prescription for your menopausal symptoms and have settled on a hormonal option. The world of prescription hormones for menopause is big, so let's make it smaller and more manageable by discussing the commonly prescribed hormones separately. Estrogen treatments by itself, the combination of estrogen and progesterone treatments, progesterone-only treatments, and estrogen and testosterone treatments. So, all right, That's, it sounds like a lot yes. to unpack. Sounds like right. a lot. <laughs> because these are all of your hormonal options that you have during menopause. So there's so, so many. We'll break it down. So right. estrogen alone. We just call them the, the biggie. The big E. The biggie. Estrogen. Exactly. <laughs> the biggest category. And that's because there are a lot of prescription options, a lot of different dosing options, and a lot of forms. So when we're considering estrogen alone therapies, keep in mind that any woman who still has her uterus will need to add progesterone to these therapies or may, for simplicity, want to consider an estrogen-progesterone combination, which we'll discuss next. Okay, I think that's really important to say because there's a, there's this differentiation that, Suzanne, you and I, you've tried to explain over and over to me again. So I'm just going to say it as plainly as I think you said it. There are women who still have a uterus and there are women who do not have a uterus. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing out of the gates when we talk about the big E, estrogen, is that if you have a uterus, estrogen alone ain't going to be your thing. You have to combine it with something else. Is that what I hear you saying? Right. That's exactly right. And the reason for this we've known for a long time is that estrogen therapy all by itself really stimulates the endometrial lining of the uterus. 
uh, enough that it can cause cancer. So we want to avoid endometrial or uterine cancer, of course, by giving people therapy. So that's why we'll do that combination. And progesterone really negates that risk. So it's very effective at controlling uh, that risk. Okay, so yeah. that makes sense. I ain't got a uterus. I can't get uterine cancer. Check. Right, exactly. <laughs> okay, so continue with the big E all by itself. The easiest form of estrogen only uh, is an estrogen pill. Uh, that's really easy to take because you just swallow it just like you would like a birth control pill or other pill. Uh, you take it once a day. And there are two basic forms of uh, estrogen, conjugated estrogen. Conjugated also... estrogen. That sounds like, like okay, yeah. Right. It sounds like a conjugal visit, but okay, conjugated estrogen. <laughs> right, uh, which is also Premarin, and there's estradiol. Uh, the reason I mention this is because a lot of people will say, well, wait a minute, I'm not sure I want to take estrogen replacement therapy. That And it's to remember that the conjugated estrogens are the ones that are made from mare urine and estradiol is not. So Wait. that's the reason why they won't take it because they're mare urine, about it being like mares and a horse. Like a horse, like horse urine, exactly. So it's made so, from horse piss. Okay. If you're sensitive to this <laughs> issue, <laughs> you might request a prescription that is made from estradiol only. And there are a wide variety of dosing options according to your need. Nowadays, there are lots. There are small options like 0.25 milligrams up to one to two milligram doses. So that way we can start really low and go up slowly just to see how well we can control your symptoms on the lower dose. Oh, that's, so really always... nice. that's really nice to know that yes. it's not just one size fits all that... I can step into it and step up through it if I need to. Good idea. You're right. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. So the lower we start, the better, uh, the less side effects you, you might experience from estrogen, the less risky it might be uh, to take estrogen. So, so that's what, what are some of the low. risks? What are some of the risks of taking it? Yes. So estrogen does have some side effects that are well known. One of them is clotting disorders. That actually might be a reason to not take it if you've had yourself a history of clot in the leg, for instance, or a deep vein thrombosis, uh, or if you have a clot in your have had a clot in your lung. That and the estrogen can actually increase your risk of getting that these kind of issues, uh, clot in the leg, lung, or brain, which would be a stroke. They also uh, can stimulate breast cancer. Uh, and with all hormonal therapies, sometimes we can stimulate periods again. So those and are, are things. And are we going to be looking, Suzanne? Are we going to be looking at familial history for something like that? Before you know, when I go to my doctor right. and we start talking about estrogen, they're going to say like, you know, any familial history of clotting or breast cancer. And if I get a yes on either one of those, I'm probably not getting right. any estrogen. Right. Okay. Right. So we'll figure. True. All right. Just wanted to right. check. Yeah, that's exactly right. So good, good to mention it. That's why it's always a conversation. Plus, there you know are different kinds of uh, options of prescriptions. There's also herbals that might be beneficial. So, so it's definitely you're going to talk about all those symptoms that you're having that we have been going over uh, one at a time in this podcast, and maybe they'll be a better fit for you if you're if you're not a good candidate for estrogen therapies. Okay. So an, another popular option that's estradiol are patches. 
patches are, are a nice because you can put them on. They're usually changed twice a week. That we're also consider these kinds of uh, this kind of estrogen as very bioavailable because oh, it's wait not wait met- stop there what bioavailable <laughs> hello do I put that in a Tinder profile yes right. I'm very bioavailable <laughs> right yeah. I'm a Pisces right. I like skiing and I'm bioavailable. Yes, right. Yeah, it means that it's in a form that is going to be used by your cells. So it's going to be effective on those cells that uh, will, uh, where estrogen is is causing a change. And that's going to be in your your skin and hair, your brain, your bones. So that means also that it's not metabolized uh, quickly because the liver is a a big metabolizer of, of drugs, basically. If a hormone like estrogen is taken by mouth, it'll be absorbed by the gut and go right to the liver first. And that is where it's metabolized before it goes back out to your circulation. So that's uh, so uh, a liver. A liver is like the uh, it's like the middleman. Liver the right. liver wants theirs before everybody else gets any, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's a filter, exactly a filter of whatever comes in through your gut. So if we can get it to the bloodstream by bypassing the gut, either in a patch form or an injectable form, then that makes it more bioavailable for all those other cells in your body. Oh, okay. That totally makes sense. Okay. So patches make make it bioavailable. Check. Got mm-hmm. it. Right. <laughs> and there are a lot of options of doses. So that's really nice about estrogen patches. Estrogen is also available as an injectable. That's a little more problematic because it's usually given at the healthcare provider's office. Oh, so I can't a, do this at home like a... Right. Okay. Yeah. Typically, it's not. It's done at the provider's office once a month. Uh, it's also extremely bioavailable because we're going right to the body. And it may be very effective for controlling symptoms. So for those people who have a hard time keeping the patch on, it it doesn't stick very well. They didn't have very good results with the oral pills because they have a lot of trouble with uh, their gut and absorption. Uh, You might go to estrogen as an injectable form and, and have that little problem of having to make an appointment at your, at your uh, doctor's office once a month. Okay. Anything else about injectable? Okay, because it makes sense. I get it. I either can't or don't want to wear a patch. The pill's not working for me either, but I'm not out of resources and an injectable is an option. Right. Yeah, it feels like more of an extreme option, but actually because it's so bioavailable, well, it'll often be used for women who are just out of a surgical menopause. So it's maybe a woman who needs to have a complete hysterectomy and oophorectomy where their ovaries are removed. Sometimes those women will be given an injectable estrogen just because we know it's going to get where it needs to go and help keep them from uh, having hot flashes while they're trying to recover from a hysterectomy, a complete hysterectomy. And then how long does that last if I do an injectable? It lasts a month. But the interesting thing is that depending on the dose, it kind of, it, it injects into your system. It kind of peaks it's in a, in a form that's absorbed slowly, but it still has a little bit of a peak uh, that first week and, or two, and then it goes down in your bloodstream. So there might a time there right before the next dose is due where you have a little bit of return of your symptoms for some women, but not often. That's, that's less common that that can happen. But 
change what we'll do commonly is change the dose a little bit like increase it a little bit uh, so that you don't bottom out symptoms. so that you don't hit rock bottom before you get your right. next shot okay mm-hmm. get exactly. it i get that right wow. so okay. the problem with this option though is that like we said you'll have to make a monthly appointment at your provider's office and you might also be charged an administration fee for an office visit or an office visit for that nurse to do the injection at your physician's office Okay, so there's definitely, it's a little heavier lift, but if the other couple of options aren't available to you, this is this is one too. So good, options are important. Right, right. So remember, we've been discussing estrogen as hormone replacement therapy. Uh, remember, we've also said that our friend estrogen can do a lot of things. So in addition to hormone replacement therapy, you might be prescribed estrogens for things like vaginal dryness, since it works best in this condition if applied directly to the vaginal area. This option of estrogen includes a cream that's uh, inserted vaginally with an applicator. There's also a ring that can be inserted vaginally. And that one actually lasts three months. So that's a nice option. If you like to travel a lot, you really don't want to think about it too much. That could be a good hormone replacement option. And it helps hormone replacement therapy. Plus it also helps that vaginal mucosa. Um, And then there's vaginal ovules that gradually dissolve that are- are, All right, what's an ovule? Suzanne, (laughs) what's an ovule? Think about like a, have you ever used a suppository for constipation or for hemorrhoids? It's kind of like that, but it's actually uh, inserted vaginally. So that's an ovule. And how often would and you it use something like that? just gradually dissolves. Uh, twice a week. I was just going to say these uh, vaginal options are ones that they can be used by themselves, like that you don't take any other hormone replacement. That's your only one. The ovules and creams are not going to be complete hormone replacement therapy for your whole body, but they will help that vaginal dryness. Or the vaginal options can be layered onto other other prescriptions. So that the creams and the ovules can be layered onto, say, your patch or your pill, too. Okay, so let me just repeat that because I just want to make sure we're really clear. So if I'm having vaginal dryness, it's a great topic anyway, which we'll talk about. But if you're having that, <laughs> there there is, and even if you're not on any other kind of hormone replacement therapy... I could potentially get prescribed estrogen in one of mm-hmm. these in one of these kind of direct <laughs> direct to the vajj place yes. and to t- to just take care of that. It does not mean I'm on hormone replacement therapy. It means I'm a- I'm managing that sort of symptom with mm-hmm. estrogen. Yeah? Right, correct. Okay, correct. and then but then what I also heard you say though is I can do that treatment, but then I could also be taking some additional hormone replacement therapy, like that mm-hmm. estrogen patch, like some of the things we're gonna talk about next, right? Right, right. Okay. The only one is that ring, the Nuva ring is one, or E string is what it's called. That one is one that can be your whole hormone replacement therapy and a vaginal uh uh, symptom uh, reliever as well. That's a twofer. That's a twofer, <laughs> exactly. Right. Okay, perfect. Thank you. That helps me understand things. All right. And the other thing about those vaginal estrogen, just so you're prepared if you get a prescription, is that they're typically front-loaded. So they're, they, they'll recommend, your provider will recommend that you do it every day for the first two weeks. And then typically for maintenance, it's uh, two times a week. 
And ah. I have an I have an interesting story about that. So I've had women whose husbands travel or their partners travel, uh, and they may be gone for a month or so. They actually will use those hormones just uh, prior to when their husbands return the vaginal hormones, just because they work right away. So you can go <laughs> off them and on them if you want. Like you're oh, it's not or, a forever thing. Or you're not married, yeah, and you're just you're just dating, but you're kind of in a dry spell. Get it? <laughs> then see what you yeah, there. dry like dry vagina. <laughs> then and you start dating again and with somebody interesting, maybe you'd start back up on your uh horm- your your estrogen hormonal vaginal cream to help uh, make things a little more. Actually, they become a little more stretchy, and we'll talk about that more at a, on another episode specifically about vaginal health. Well, I kind of do love to hear that because sometimes when you think about some of these um, these hormones, it feels like a very like, all right, I'm committing for the next several years to this treatment, yeah. right? But this seems mm-hmm. like one of them that I can do as I need to have it done. Okay, perfect. Right. Your husband, you're talk- so cute. You're so cute when their husband comes home. Right. Or their partner, <laughs> or their lover, or their girlfriend, right. or their... <laughs> yes, that's so true. Whoever All coming home things. for it. Whoever wants to come to your vagina party. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right. Well, and... <laughs> oh my god you're killing me (laughs) right well and then here's the bummer part we're gonna just we talked a little bit that estrogen has does have side effects so we just want to remember have remind people that this is just a small percentage of women so uh that that can experience these things but you estrogen has can cause clotting disorders stimulation of breast cancer and periods uh, so if you have a history of clotting disorder or cancer, breast cancer yourself, you probably shouldn't take estrogen replacement therapy and you shouldn't smoke while on estrogen replacement therapy because that'll make your risk for clotting issues higher. And mm. also when you stop estrogen, it's really best to taper it down. And the reason for that is that if you just stop it abruptly, sometimes you can really trigger a bunch of hot flashes. So it's best to taper it over two to four weeks and your provider can help you with that as well. Yeah. And that's the overall estrogen replacement therapy. That's like, right. that's, that's yeah. not the, for vaginal dryness. That's a, yes. use it when you want. It's when you're on the other version of the mm-hmm. estrogen replacement therapy. Don't go Correct. cold turkey. Do not go right. cold turkey. Right. You don't catch on right. fire all the time. <laughs> you exactly. just be a smoldering so mess and not in a good way. Okay, there's a lot of estrogen options. What else I got? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's also estrogen and progesterone combination options. And remember, if you have a uterus, you're going to have to take that progesterone with it. So this is speaking to you. So remember, if any of you ever took birth control pills, which oh, yeah. I'm sure there's a, a high percentage of our audience that had, well, you are most likely taking an estrogen and progesterone combination. Interesting. It's almost like birth controls are an option uh, for hormone therapy, and they are, especially in a woman in her 40s who are having heavy periods. Maybe they're having trouble with sleep. Maybe they're having a little bit of night sweats. Uh, We can use birth control pills as an option for hormone therapy. Um, That that seems like a really kind of gentle way to ease into 
mm-hmm. hormone therapy, right? I mean, because again, like you said, tons and tons of women had been on birth control at some point in their lives. And so it doesn't seem like a big deal to go back on right. it. Right. And they're really low doses of estrogen and progesterone. They're also covered by insurance, typically. Oh, hell yeah. You so got my that's attention always now. good. <laughs> <laughs> and they are birth control. So you won't accidentally get pregnant like uh, you could if you're uh, taking something kind of more sporadically. That's a good reassurance that you, if you don't have another form of birth control on in your, in your life, like uh, your partner has a vasectomy or you have a tubal ligation, then maybe you want to be considering that as well. The downside is if you're not having periods that often, maybe say once every three months or maybe you stopped, sometimes if we add birth control pills, we might stimulate a period. It is usually a very light period though, so good to keep in mind. Oh, so uh, could, this, could this address the crime scene period situation then? It could address the crime scene periods, yes. Okay. So it kind of has, it's like almost a threefer, like control <laughs> of periods, maybe some of your menopausal symptoms and birth control. And I ain't getting knocked <laughs> up. I love it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, okay. Those are some so, of the benefits of using a birth control. But you might get to the point where that dosage of the standard birth control pill is not quite enough to help your symptoms. Uh, in that case, maybe you're getting, you're in your, you know, closer to 50, you entered that red zone or the time where you're body really is uh, is shutting off the ovaries are really not working it anymore maybe at that point you need to move to a stronger dosage combination of estrogen and progesterone and we do have some pills that are specifically for that uh, there's only a few dosing options however and there is one patch form called comba patch that is estrogen and progesterone as well uh, but there is not a combination injectable of the both so it so, seems like less options than, <laughs> you know, than what we were describing with the estrogen, doesn't it? <laughs> Which is so crazy because you think, again, because you're taking estrogen or progesterone if you have a uterus. And mm-hmm. so you would think that there would be as many, at least pill combinations, as there are with just estrogen by itself. But it doesn't sound like it. Not, huh. not for just exclusively po- the postmenopausal hormone replacement therapy. But we have that all those options with birth control pills. Um, as well, which have estrogen and progesterone too. If I go on this larger dose of progesterone and estrogen that you talked about, can I still get pregnant? You you probably can't get pregnant, uh, but Cannot. it's not necessarily considered a birth control. And usually <laughs> you're at the point where you're really not making any eggs anyhow. So oh, usually okay. not yet. So it would yeah. be like an immaculate conception if I got pregnant on Yeah, and you want to be like you were with your birth control pills, which is consistently taking them every day as okay. well. Right, and, and don't forget that we can always use those estrogen options that we discussed before uh-huh. uh, if you want, uh, and then add a progesterone pill. So that could be an option. If you really love the idea of an injectable, you can do that, and we can add a, an oral pill. That's very rare that women will do that. More likely that they'll use a, a, a patch that has estrogen or estradiol and a pill. Um, so that combination is really, really commonly prescribed because it's estradiol, which is the non-mare urine uh, form, and pro- prometrium, which is a micronized progesterone. And that one is a lot of women really like the way that they feel on it. It really helps oh. with sleep. So that okay. combination oh, is very common. 
Okay, so that's really interesting, and I think that's really good to know. If I can't take the pill, the one pill that is mm-hmm. limited and that, that has both of the thing in it, and the patch doesn't really work for me, and I want mm-hmm. something else, I can do, instead of a one pill that has both, I can do one estrogen pill and one progesterone pill to yeah, get the same effect. Exactly. Okay, oh, good, right. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you just blew the options door wide open. Good. Right. Yeah. So just think of all those combinations. It's like X to the nth power, right? <laughs> You're right. doing maths again. Please don't. Yeah. Please don't do the maths. <laughs> right. <laughs> so moving on to okay. progesterone, that's another hormonal option. And I do sometimes have women uh, who are don't want to take estrogen or they can't because of family history of breast cancer, but the herbals aren't working. Sometimes we'll try just progesterone alone. Uh, There are uh, pill forms that are regular prescriptions that are really good options. That's the micronized progesterone, and there's a couple of dosing options for those. It's really good in those women who are in their 40s with that trouble sleeping. So that's how we'll dose dose it. I'll use it most often in those women. And it helps with sleep and can help with their regular periods. Can be dosed every day, or sometimes we'll just do it on like the last half of the cycle. So progesterone, in order for it to be effective at protecting your uterus, only needs to be taken for 14 days every three months. Really, I just I just need a bit of progesterone at the end, just to just to protect me. It's not like it's a one to one relationship. Okay, and we that's- do use progesterone a lot in this perimenopause, you know, as early as 40s, all the way through, you know, the mid 50s, when we're going through all the the hardest part of menopause. But remember, it's not effective birth control. Uh, So you would need if you still could get pregnant, you'd want to make sure you're using something for birth control as well. One of the things you mentioned too, Suzanne, is that when you're taking estrogen, part of the cautionary tale that some women may experience are the blood clots and the bleeding disorders and things like that, potential cancers. What about progesterone? What kind of what kind of heads up should I get about side effects on progesterone? Well, you know what's nice is that progesterone doesn't have a lot of its own side effects. It's uh, not one that stimulates breast cancer that we know of, and it doesn't seem to cause an increased risk of of clots at all. Rock so it's star. actually really nice. Uh, yes, so it's actually very good uh, for helping with with some symptoms. And then uh, and I, as far as dosing with progesterone, do I also have that really wide variety of, of, of options with progesterone where I can go from either a tiny bit into quite a bit more? I can scale up or no? Yeah, there's a really only a few options of progesterone. Uh, with uh, the micronized progesterone, it's only two. There's only two forms, 100 and 200 milligrams. Sometimes I'll use 400 milligrams in women who really need that little extra in that uh, premenopausal or perimenopausal stage. And then there's Provera too, which only has three dosing options. So there's okay. not a, quite as many. The other form of progesterone that we have is in the IUD. So we have that uh, IUD intrauterine device that has progesterone too. And that one's a really good option for when we talked about crime scene periods. It really helps either stop or lessen periods. And it has just a little bit of of, uh, progesterone that maybe might help sleep somewhat. It will also keep you from getting pregnant. So it's really good for that transition phase. Winner, winner, chicken dinner on that one, man. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay, cool. So we talked about estrogen. We've talked about estrogen-progesterone combos. Then we've talked about progesterone by itself. 
Mm-hmm. What else right. you got? Well, I've got a lovely hormone that is available called testosterone. What? Uh, and yeah, okay, I got enough chin hair. I got enough hormone. chin hair. I don't need no more testosterone in me. Why would somebody take testosterone? Well, so testosterone is also made by the ovaries, maybe a little bit by the adrenals, and it's very good for libido. So sex drive. And you know, if you Bring think on my about beard. that, if you think <laughs> about that teenage boy, they have really, really high levels of testosterone, and you think about their libidos being off the map, right? Well, with women in menopause, sometimes our testosterone levels start to drop and we'll have uh, an in, we'll, we'll start to experience some libido issues. But uh, there's only one form of testosterone for women that's a regular prescription. Ah, and that's of course. Estra test, which is actually a combination of estrogen and testosterone. And there's estrogen only two strengths. Yeah. Okay, and so, but if I'm a woman who shouldn't be taking estrogen, I ain't taking the estrogen testosterone, though, right? Right, not as a com, not not in that form. As when we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit more about testosterone in our compounded hormones uh, episode, which has tons of options for women, though. So we can have it made for women who would like to try it to see if it helps their libido. But any side effects though? Yeah, so testosterone can cause uh, increase your facial hair growth. So on your chin or over your lip in that beard area. It also might cause Ugh. acne. You might experience that with, with taking testosterone. And it can cause some irritability, like increase, <sighs> get angry, angry a little easier. Uh, but we're using it for sex drive and libido. So, so do I want to have sex it. or do I want a beard? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and maybe you want to have sex, but great. you got a beard. <laughs> and then does he want to have sex with me if I have a beard? <laughs> maybe they prefer that. It's really hard to say, isn't it? To each their own, whatever, whatever you prefer. <laughs> <laughs> but you should know you have options. <laughs> okay, well, that's something. It's cold comfort, but at least I know there could be some comfort. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, but this has been absolutely enlightening, Suzanne. You know, I think it's a pretty easy takeaway to understand that there are a lot of options for you to choose from when it comes to getting prescription hormones. So depending on what symptoms you're having... Where you are in your perimenopausal journey is going to really help determine what hormone combination is going to work best for you. But there's also other non-hormonal prescription options that can help you address symptoms. We've mentioned them early in other episodes that we hadn't talked about here because the only thing we really wanted to talk about here today was hormones. What we'd like you to do is have a comprehensive conversation after you've listened to this, after you have the information about what is in front of you as far as options go, have a comprehensive conversation with your provider to determine what are the right hormones for you, what's the best delivery method for you, for your lifestyle, for everything you are to get the best results. Because really, you take these so that you can go on living your best life, so that you can have that quality of life, so that you're not suffering with you know, incredible hot flashes or never sleeping or some of these things that are preventing you from moving forward with your life. There are hormone options no matter where you are. I think a lot of women misunderstand and think that they can't start taking hormones until they're post-perimenopausal, <laughs> which is when you're done. You're all done with the periods. But that's not true. There are 
uh, options well, well before that time. Very good. That was a great <laughs> summation. Definitely. It's a really complicated topic. And that's just one little slice of it, because we're, next we're going to talk about the bioidentical or compounded hormone world. And there's also other herbal options. So you've got lots of options. This is still just one slice and it seems complicated, but at least you heard it once here. Yeah, you heard it and then you can listen to it again and again. And then again, we're, we're not prescribing anything. We're asking you to have the conversation so you can get the correct prescriptions. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Brilliant. All right. So let's hear a little bit about our next episode. Listen in for our next episode as we continue to discuss treatment options for your perimenopausal symptoms. Next time, we talk about compounded hormones and how this may be an option that works for you. Join us as we customize our content for you on the next Paramena podcast. like to visit our website where reference materials and links to other podcasts are held, please visit us at www.theperimenopodcast.com. If you have questions, comments, thoughts for another episode, please feel free to send us an email at theperimenopodcast at gmail.com. Find more episodes wherever you get your favorite podcast. Please do us a favor. If this information has been helpful for you, please like us, write a review if you're so inclined, and most importantly, share this podcast with another sister so she can be informed too.